this is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that could really use a tagline. Uh, yeah, I'd like to, as I said, welcome you, and we have, thanks to an incredibly generous plug from Jay and Miles over at Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men, we have a lot of new listeners, so welcome aboard, guys, and once again, thank you, Jay and Miles. I promise I will return those loved ones I've been holding hostage very soon. They're they're fine. They're being well cared for, and frankly, they're starting to stock home a little bit, and it, it's getting uncomfortable. If you listen to this show, you chances are you listen to Jane Miles explain the X-Men, which you absolutely should. I flatter myself to think of us as kind of a sister podcast to them, but I mean, we're siblings in the same way that Jimmy Carter and Billy Carter are siblings. I mean, yeah, we're related, but ain't nobody giving Billy a Nobel Prize. Of course, I aspire to a level of sibling rivalry like Gallagher and Gallagher 2, where one day we will steal their act and tour the country smashing watermelons, but we're not there yet. So I'm learning a lot about myself this week, and it's all kind of pointing in a similar direction. My hair's been getting a little bit longer, and, and I found the other day that I can just barely pull it back into a tiny, shitty little ponytail, which I think is really funny, but I can only do it right when I get out of the shower, so I can only do it when my hair, like, is slicked back, which makes me look kind of like either Steven Seagal or any bad guy in an 80s movie, like an 80s action movie, where it's like, oh, he's rough and tumble, but he's also a businessman. And so I started saying the word, karate a lot and that was really fun and then I found a we were going out to walk the dog uh and I found a jacket in my closet that I hadn't seen before and it was pretty nice like just standard rain jacket I asked my wife if uh she knew where it had came from and she's like no are you sure it's yours it's not suede and it doesn't have any fringe on it and I was like oh shit you're right that is kind of off brand for me you guys I think I might be Steven Seagal. This is big news for me. I'm going to need to start wearing sunglasses that are too small for my head, which is kind of a problem because generally I like my sunglasses like I like my sandwiches way too big for my head. So obviously we are a podcast that talks about comic books. Uh, We alternate weeks talking about the new Teen Titans and the Defenders. And I think that this introduction is actually a fairly typical example of the type of thing that we do. So welcome new listeners and I'm sorry. Yeah, I think that's all of the random bullshit I had to clear out of my head. So without any further ado, let's ado this. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Brad Reed. Thanks, Brad. A trip to Savile Row is how you bring a fop bliss. A trip to this podcast is how to hear a synopsis. Thank you. Marvel feature number three, June 1972. A titan walks among us. But, you know, not one of the Teen Titans. This is a Defenders issue. Written by Roy Thomas. Drotted by Ross Andrew. With inks by Bill Everett. Defenders Roll Call, Doctor Strange, Namor, Hulk. NASA is having a kind of strange week. Two of their best astronauts were out on a mission when they ran into some kind of weird space mist. Probably harmless. Nobody heard from them for a while. Then they radioed in saying they were headed back to Earth, were about to crash into the ocean, and would like a ride home. 
NASA decides to send a Navy aircraft carrier to try to pick them up. They load the ship up with sailors, a ton of top scientists, and for some reason, the Hulk's nemesis, General Thaddeus Ross. Huh? He's not even in the Navy. Ross explains that when he's not busy chasing the Hulk, he just goes wherever he's needed. Like a high-ranking military littlest hobo. I guess he was also worried that he'd be lonely because he decided to bring homeless teen-slash-Hulk confidant Jim Wilson along with him. Because during a sea rescue mission of a space shuttle, what you need is a civilian with street smarts and an ability to calm down the Hulk. Sure, the space shuttle crashes into the ocean and everybody freaks out. Wait, wasn't it supposed to go into the ocean? I mean, if it had hit the aircraft carrier, it would have killed everyone, so that seems like a bad plan. Anyway, a giant squid starts attacking the shuttle. Fortunately, Namor happens to be swimming by. He punches the giant squid, saves the astronaut, and drags the shuttle onto the deck of the aircraft carrier. Hooray! Except for the cephalopod punching. I'm against that. The sailors on the ship thank Namor, but he thinks they thanked him wrong. Plus, he's mad that he had to punch a squid, so he yells at the sailors and they start fighting him. A poop deck Donnybrook ensues. I'd just like us to bask for a moment in the fact that... We live in a world where the phrase poop deck Donnybrook is not only possible, but in many ways, inevitable. Hey, you remember how Popeye's dad is named poop deck Pappy? (laughs) I think of that all the time. And lately, I've been thinking about the fact that in addition to that, not in the comic strips, but in the cartoons, Popeye had four nephews, and one of them was named Poopeye. (laughs) Poopeye. There was a one-eyed toddler who smoked a pipe named Poopeye. Oh, what a world we live in. Anyway, the poop deck Donnybrook is interrupted by Jim Wilson, who storms out, yells at Namor, and tells him that if he doesn't knock it off, he's going to get his buddy the Hulk to kick the Submariner's ass. Namor is impressed by Jim's chutzpah and agrees to stop punching sailors. Things are starting to calm down a bit when the two astronauts, Colonels Beam and Wagner, emerge from their shuttle, and essentially start yelling, Fuck you, NASA, pay me! They're awful greedy all of a sudden, and figure that they can cash in on that fame and get super rich. Almost like that weird space mist changed them in some way. Nah, that couldn't be it. They're just a bunch of typical greedy astronauts. Fucking moon huggers. Namor is disgusted by the cash-hungry cosmonauts and leaps back into the sea. Over the next few weeks, the suddenly selfish spacemen resign from NASA and sign a contract to develop a children's television show called The Astronauts. Nice. On the show, the two titular astronauts, Beam and Wagner, are joined by Zemnu, a lovable giant white furry monster intent on returning to his magic planet. Zemnu looks kind of like an abominable snowman, but with a weird poodle cut and a metal dome on his head. It's a pretty good look. Parents hate the show, but kids seem to find it strangely enthralling. Hmm. Jim Wilson and General Ross are hanging out watching the show together. Huh. I really like that they just hang out together. It's like one of those unlikely animal friendship calendars. Anyway, Jim thinks there's something suspicious about the show and takes a cab to Greenwich Village to seek the aid of one Dr. Stephen Strange, who I guess the Hulk had told him about? Probably something like, Stupid magician make fun of Hulk! But if Jim ever see weird TV show, Puny Magician will help Jim. Yeah, I've probably said something like that. Jim and Strange watch a bit of Astronauts together, and while neither is particularly impressed with the quality of writing, Strange agrees that there is definitely something sinister going on. Also, Zemnu is now asking the Earth's kids to join him when he returns to his home planet. Creepy. 
Doctor Strange decides to investigate the children's program, so he and Jim head down to the studio. Figuring that in his normal regalia he would draw too much attention, Steve decides to go in disguise. As the Hulk. Yeah. Steve uses his magic to disguise himself as the green-skinned Goliath who is a fugitive from the law. Way to be incognito, Doc. Strange approaches the former astronauts and books himself, as the Hulk, to appear on the TV show's special event next month that will be filming at Cape Canaveral. By the time the TV special starts filming, the show's popularity is skyrocketing. Get it? Because they're astronauts? Zemnu is the breakout star of the show, and kids are going apeshit for Zemnu teddy bears and action figures. Doc Strange is all decked out in his Hulk illusion, but even for a Hulk impersonator, he's looking a little green around the gills. Turns out that not only does maintaining the disguise spell put a strain on the good doctor, but some unknown force seems to be psychically attacking him. Meanwhile, back in New York, Bruce Banner wanders past a TV and sees the Hulk on TV and is all like, Huh? I don't remember appearing on a children's television show. Guess he's not a big fan because he gets super pissed, hulks out, and starts jumping to Florida to confront the Emerald Imposter. Had he stuck around and kept watching for a few minutes, he would have seen Zemnu smack the astronauts to one side and gaze hypnotically into the TV camera like some kind of albino baboon and command the children of Earth to march to Cape Canaveral and get on a rocket ship that is about to launch. Then, Zemnu will take them to his home planet. Ugh. Doctor Strange has heard enough. He drops the Hulk disguise and attacks the mesmeric monster. The attack doesn't go so great, but Strange does manage to penetrate Zemnu's psychic defenses just long enough to pick up a buttload of valuable exposition. Turns out, Zemnu is an alien. You don't say. A while ago, he was stranded on Earth, so he hypnotized the whole world and made them build him a spaceship that would get him back to his home planet, but whose launching would destroy the Earth. Some dude sabotaged it and then used a mirror to turn Zemnu into a cloud of space mist. Aha! And also, hooray! Everyone on the planet forgot about Zemnu's existence as soon as he got vaporized. Space Fog Zemnu headed back to his homeworld, but during his absence, all life there had been eradicated. Almost as if their space president appointed a space climate change denier as head of their space EPA. I don't know if you guys caught it, but I just used science fiction to provide some biting social commentary. It was very subtle. Space Miss Zemnu headed back towards Earth, which is where he bumped into the astronauts and started in on his current scheme. He's planning on stealing one of NASA's rockets, filling it with Earth children, taking it back to his planet. Once there, he will have the children repopulate his planet with humans who will do Zemnu's evil bidding. Wow. That is an awful plan. And not awful as in evil, although it certainly is that, but just dumb as shit. Okay, first of all, Zemnu... That rocket isn't going to be able to get anywhere near as far as your planet. Second, a 1972 spaceship is going to hold, what, four or five kids tops? Plus, looks like most of the kids he's snagging are like six or seven years old, which means he's going to have to raise them as a single parent for quite a while before they can give him any grandkids. I mean, even for a Yeti with a metal head and a poodle cut, that is a remarkably shitty plan. Well, while he may be shitty at coming up with good space plans, Zemnu's pretty good at magic fights and he blasts Doctor Strange something fierce. Things are looking pretty grim, but the good news is that Florida is a peninsula. Why is that good news? Because it means that Namor is nearby. The Lost Prince of Atlantis leaps out of the water and destroys the space shuttle before any kids can hop aboard. Hooray! Then he kicks Zemnu right in his stupid Zemnu face. Hooray! Then Zemnu blasts the shit out of him and knocks him out. Shitty. 
One of the astronauts, Colonel Beam, feels kind of guilty about his role in the potential enslavement of Earth's children and tries to attack the hirsute hypnotist, but Zemnu crushes the recently avaricious astronaut in one hand, killing him instantly. Dang. Things are not looking great for Earth when everyone's favorite jade giant literally leaps into the fray. Zemnu tries to talk shit, but Hulk is super pissed and smashes the bejesus out of the extraterrestrial asshole. He just keeps punching and smashing until Zemnu dissolves into nothingness. As soon as Zemnu disappears, he instantly fades from everyone's memories. Damn. You guys, the Hulk punched that dude so hard that the universe forgot he existed. Rad. Not understanding what's going on, the army men surrounding the rocket launch site revert to their default setting, which is blaming the Hulk for things and pointing their guns at him. It's a bad move, army guys. Hulk stomps real hard and knocks down the ungrateful soldiers, and then Namor splashes them real good. Seriously, they get such a splashing. The Atlantean Prince and the Green Goliath leap off into the horizon, calling back to Doctor Strange that the next time the Earth needs their help, the Earth can just fuck right off. Hooray! And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how are you doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm okay. Glad to hear it. Wait, I mean, I'm glad to hear that you're doing okay. I'm also glad to hear myself say that I'm doing okay. I figured. Yeah, we're off to a rollicking start. Indeed. So, what'd you think? Oh my gosh. It just started with crazy fun and kept it up the whole way through. This was a good... Comic. Yeah, it's it's been a rough week, and this was a real fucking treat to read. Yeah, I, I agree completely. It's not just the wackiness, because it's definitely, like, this is a straight-up Bob Haney-esque, mm-hmm. completely worthy of Bob Haney mm-hmm. level of wackiness that happens in this comic book. Mm-hmm. It's a weird premise, and it's really fun, but you've also got Roy Thomas's writing, which adds this gravitas to everything that's happening, which somehow makes the whole thing even weirder and more fun. The The idea that someone is taking this story very seriously, seriously enough to write some, in many ways, really beautiful prose to go along with it, is just crazy. Yep, that sums it up. Ah, so good! All right, so, goddamn, there's a lot to talk about. What do you want to hit first? Let's just start with the uh, jump into the uh, squid. Oh, yeah, man. Scenario. Yeah, so, right, right off the bat. First, I didn't know that giant squid, they can create giant whirlpools in the ocean. Okay, the squid created the whirlpool? That was what was going on? Or was the squid I thought that Zemnu the... was creating the whirlpool and the squid got sucked up in it too. Oh, but why did he do that? I don't know, man. Why does Zemnu do anything? Well, wouldn't it have just been easier to let the guys land normally? Yeah, you'd think so. Dude, I'm not Zemnu. Okay. I don't know why Zemnu does a lot of what Zemnu does. Okay. Um, let, let's get to that for a second. What the fuck did Zemnu want with the Earth's children? Well, to use them... And that was another, like, thing that, in keeping with the Haney-esque, like, needlessly complicated scenarios. Yeah. So he wanted them to become a slave race to populate a new his new planet he was going to go find. Oh, so he wanted them... To create a slave race. I, I wasn't even sure about that. I thought he just wanted to bring them to his well, planet because th- he got lonely. Th- no, because um, he said to populate his new planet was the purpose of, of mm-hmm. taking all these ostensibly sexually immature yeah, why would human you, beings to... Why would you want to get kids to do that? That seems like the worst group. You'd have to wait a long time yeah. and then manage them while they're growing up. Which... Oh, God. Which Zemnu is not going to be a good dad. 
Well, the kids... Do, he could just hypnotize all of them. Mm, that's I mean, right. Like, He's you know, very good at hypnosis. Do your homework. Uh, watch my TV show. <laughs> Dude, that TV show? I want to watch that TV show. Astronauts? It only works on kids. I mean, it works on everyone for entertainment. The adults hated it. Well, yeah, but that's because... It was a very polarizing program. <laughs> Children really? loved it. Grown-ups hated it. The critics... And it mercilessly. Oh, man. Yeah, they did not care for it. But it doesn't matter. The kids were all into it. Mm-hmm. But I really liked the the way that it, like, created unity among different generations of adults. Because you see, like, General Thaddeus Ross. When I was a like, sprout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's all like, oh, we used to gather around the old radio set and listen to Charlie McCarthy and Edner, Edgar Bergen and Mortimer Snurd. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Jim Wilson just bugs out at that point. Why the fuck was radio ventriloquism ever a thing? Oh, is that what that was? That's what Charlie McCarthy and Edgar Bergen were. Uh, Edgar Bergen is actually uh, Candace Bergen's dad. Oh, shit. Um, but he was a big radio star, like mm. super incredibly popular with his uh, radio ventriloquist act and his dummy, Charlie McCarthy. Well, I guess if you're not a great ventriloquist, radio is probably your best bet. I would imagine so, but I mean, like, it's such a visual medium. Like, were there also radio mime shows? Like, where it's just some dude like, all right, now he's walking against the wind. You know what? I'm glad that it was on the radio because, personally, like, ventriloquism with dummies... Creepy. It's super creepy to me. Yeah. The, you, what, their mouths moved a little... Yeah, you know, it's it's not... I mean, they can't really talk. It's just a trick that the ventriloquist is doing. It's still creepy. All right. Anyway, but younger generations are like, oh, when I was a boy, we had Howdy Doody, which was a marionette also. Do marionettes creep you out as much or more so than ventriloquist dummies? No. Howdy Doody creeps me out a little bit. I have only the faintest memories of... Was that like a stop? That wasn't... No, he was a marionette. That was a marionette. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know about those. I don't okay. Know. Ambivalent. Okay. Dangerously ambivalent? Not like you and your soup. No. All right, all right. <laughs> We're not going to get into that again. I got a lot of hate mail from soup enthusiasts this last week. Well, you had it coming. And soup detractors. <laughs> yeah, well, syrup polarizing uh, figure. <laughs> was that? I believe Jerry Brown once quoted Jesus uh, as saying, uh, in reference to moderates, <laughs> you are neither hot nor cold, so I spit you out of my mouth. I don't understand. Oh, I don't either. Apparently both Jerry Brown and Jesus hate lukewarm beverages. Oh. Yeah. Peas in a pod, those guys. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't really remember what we're talking about. Talking about um, creepy... Oh, yeah, we were just talking about how the show Astronauts uh, united older generations against youngers. Right. Yeah, and it sure did. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, when they said the name of the show Astronauts, I was like, that sounds familiar. I think think there was a show in the 70s that had Jim Neighbors that was called, like, Astronauts or something like that. Really? Hmm. No, because I looked it up. And I was thinking of two different shows that had similar premises that were on in the 70s. One was Far Out Space Nuts, Ooh. which uh, I think that one starred Bob Denver. And then there was The Lost Saucer, which had Jim Neighbors and Ruth Buzzy in it. But I don't yeah. know who those people are. Oh, uh, Ruth Buzzy was on a lot of celebrity roasts and things. And I think she started off on Laughing. And she would hit people with her purse. Oh. And Jim Neighbors played Gomer Pyle. Ah, got it. Yeah, 
Bob Denver, on the other hand, played Gilligan. And Maynard G. Krebs? Yes. Got it. Uh, <laughs> Glad we cleared that up. Yeah, no kidding. The Astro Nut, I believe, was a not terribly popular cartoon from the, the early 60s. But this show, Astro Nuts, I would totally watch this show. Mm. It looks pretty fun. Looks like it could be a breakfast cereal as well. Oh, totally. Man, there's so much you could do with the name Astro Nuts. Mm. Those astronauts are very lucky that they decided to copyright the whole thing and get rich, 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 rich. Yeah, what a couple of enterprising... Jerks. So back to the Zemnu thing. Yeah. The way that he got to Earth is he was a white mist that coalesced around one of the astronauts. Okay, yes. And that's how he got back, but they are both human form in Earth, and then Zemnu is in his fuzzy, weird alien form. Right. So did he just like take shape once he was brought? to the Earth? Or is it a guy in a Zemnu costume? Like, okay, I couldn't it's definitely not a guy in a Zemnu costume, and I can fill you in on a little bit of Zemnu's background. But what you just described is up to our best imagination. What I figure happens is hmm. Zemnu's a mist at this point, mm -hmm. for reasons I will describe to you soon. Demir. The astronaut breathes him in, mm -hmm. and like he, he overtakes him, hypnotizes the astronaut, takes mm -hmm. over his form. I think he only got one of the astronauts. He was just like, fuck this fucking uh, space program. Let's get rich. And the other guy was just like, oh, yeah, sure. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. I think Zemnu hypnotizes the one, like gets it, gets all breathed up by the one uh, astronaut, takes him over, hypnotizes him. Mm -hmm. Then when they get back to Earth, I think he probably just like coalesces his molecules and forms a corporeal form again. Okay. Because that's... That okay. was my guess, but yeah. it's a little fuzzy. They don't explain it. Yeah, a little fuzzy like Zemnu himself. Mm. Yeah. So here's Zemnu's background. He first showed up in a comic, I think it was Journey into Mystery number 62. They later got reprinted in a couple of issues of Monsters on the Prowl. His first appearance, he was actually called Zemnu the Hulk. Oh. And this is before the Incredible Hulk debuted. Mm. Uh, he was an old monster magazine. And his deal was, he was some kind of a space criminal in a special space alien jail. Mm -hmm. He escapes, steals a spaceship. Spaceship only has enough fuel to make it to Earth. Goes to Earth, crashes in a swamp, and is knocked out on the verge of death. Mm -hmm. This dude finds him. This dude is a electronics enthusiast. I think he's just like a Radio Shack hobbyist. Okay. So, Zemnu's in rough shape. This dude just patches him up and... Like, turns him into a cyborg. Oh. And fixes oh, him. That, that's why he has a little metal hat? Yeah, I thought that was maybe all just, like, a stylistic choice. Mm -hmm. But since it isn't, yeah. I mean, I, I want to get into Zemnu's look in a little bit. We can maybe even wait for Sartorially speaking for that. <laughs> all right. Yeah, so he patches Zemnu up. Zemnu, it feels better, and then it's just like, all right, fuck this planet. I want to get to my home planet. Mm. Hypnotizes everybody on Earth. Mm -hmm. Has them build a rocket ship. He's going to take the dude who patched him up with him. Maybe as a thank you, maybe just so he has somebody to gloat to because he's kind of a dick. Mm -hmm. he, he, has, he builds this rocket mm -hmm. that will get him back to his planet, but it uses so much energy that it will destroy the Earth when it fires. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. The dude he was going to take with him switches some wires around mm -hmm. so that it only uses a little bit of fuel and goes up and he's trapped in orbit around the Earth and there's nothing he can do about it. Oh. That's his first appearance. Then, he ends up coming back to Earth. Mm -hmm. 
tries to hypnotize everybody again. Mm-hmm. He's a real dick at this point. Mm-hmm. Now he wants vengeance on the dude who saved his life before. Mm-hmm. So he takes him up. I think he maybe takes him to the moon. A lot of bad shit happens on the moon. Mm. Ooh, super moon tonight. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Only we once should... every 18 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a good time. So the moon will be bigger in the sky than it ever has been. Mm-hmm. Good time to blow it up. Oh. To make sure you get it all. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck the moon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something happens with a... Yeah, well, okay, wait, wait, wait. So here's what happens. Okay. Zemnu is like, all right, buddy. Now I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna get my revenge on you. Here is his proposed revenge. Mm. He's super good at hypnosis, you know, right? Mm-hmm. He's gonna hypnotize all the guy's molecules oh. into dispersing. Oh, that's yeah. what I mean. I know that's very, very powerful hypnosis. Mm-hmm. I would think that to do that type of hypnosis, you would have to be some kind of, I don't know, albino baboon. He does look kind of like an albino yeah. baboon. Perhaps inspired by. Beast Boy's hmm. shitty Beastmaster. Maybe so. He does have the same sort of mesmer swirls in the uh-huh. eyeball. Uh-huh. For those of you wondering what we're talking about, please uh, check out our episode on Teen Titans number six. I think it was Teen Titans number six, the one with Beast Boy turning into an albino baboon. I'm terribly impressed that you can assign a number to that. Oh, it's easy. It's probably wrong, but it's easy <laughs> to assign numbers to things. Especially if there's no follow-up question. So, yeah. So the guy pulls out a mirror and Zemnu accidentally hypnotizes all of his molecules into dispersing. And that's why he's a mist. Shit. That's why there's just that Zemnu mist floating around for the astronauts to get all Hmm. mixed up with. Okay. We are barely, we have barely even cracked the surface of this issue. One of the things that I definitely (laughs) want to talk about is... We see a couple of people that we haven't seen in the Defenders before. One is General Thaddeus Ross, mm-hmm. who is the Hulk's nemesis. He's he's a real dick. He also is, I don't think at this point yet, but he becomes eventually the Hulk's father-in-law. Because uh, his daughter, Betty, is the uh, Bruce Banner's love interest. Oh. Yeah, he's a general in the Air Force. And we find out in this, he also just fills in wherever he's needed. <laughs> yeah. He's basically like a substitute teacher. Mm-hmm. He's like a substitute admiral. He's just like, he's not even part of the Navy, mm-hmm. but they're like, oh, we got this big mission. Uh, I don't think he's busy. Our, our normal admiral called in sick. Mm-hmm. So like, I just picture him showing up at the Navy and just like writing Thaddeus Ross on a <laughs> blackboard. I don't care what your normal admiral says. <laughs> exactly. Now, what mission were you and your admiral working on? Uh, we were going to rescue these astronauts. Uh... I don't know a ton about that. We're going to watch some videos today. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. But not only does he get to do that, but he just gets to bring a friend along with him, too. Mm -hmm. So he he grabs Jim Jim Wilson. Decides, uh, you know who will be useful on this space capsule retrieval mission? This kid that can sometimes control the Hulk. Yeah, a a street smart homeless teen. Because what do you need to retrieve a space capsule? Street smarts. Well, I mean, if the Hulk does show up on that boat in the middle of the ocean, it's probably going to screw things up, so... Yeah, that That's fair. If the Hulk shows up anywhere, it's going to screw things up. I, I would think that Jim Wilson would be very much in demand. So Jim Wilson is a homeless teen who ran into the Hulk on one of his adventures, mm-hmm. and they kind of hit it off, and he can have a soporific effect on the Hulk and mm-hmm. kind of calm his nerves, because mm-hmm. he's, he's a good buddy. Mm-hmm. 
Seems like a cool kid. Totally fucking worthless on a aircraft carrier rescuing a space capsule, one would think. Well, yeah. But he uh, gets a Namor to relax also. Yeah. He's, he's just a cool guy. Gets him to relax by saying, hey, I'm going to have the Hulk beat your ass. Yeah. And, uh, and Namor is just like, all right, finally, somebody showing some chutzpah. Unlike the sailors who were like, I'm going to kick your ass even though you have superpowers. Mm-hmm. Those guys showed a lot of spirit. Very inconsistent behavior on Namor's part. Yeah. Well, he just had already written them off as fools. So. Yeah, that's true. Which caused the fight in the first place. <laughs> Fair enough. They do look like fools. Absolute. They fools. got some goofy ass shit going on. Yep. You know who else has some goofy ass shit going on? And I hate to say it because I don't want to pick on him. Jim Wilson. He is drawn very strangely in a few scenes. So he's supposed to be, I think, probably about like 13 or 14, maybe? Does that sound about right? Yeah. Like the programming that is directly for children. Mm-hmm. He can pick up on some of its vibes, but it's not targeted directly at him. I would say he's mm-hmm. in, in probably early adolescence. Yeah. He's got a receding hairline to beat the band. He's got a real big forehead. Yeah. He's got, I was, I was thinking that it was a receding hair, uh, hairline, but I think what's been, what might be going on is he's just got a giant light bulb head. Yeah. Like he's like this close to looking like the leader, mm-hmm. like this Hulk villain who has like a crazy giant light bulb head. Mm-hmm. I think his body just can't make enough hair to cover that head. Uh-huh. It's like, Jim, I'm doing my best, but yeah. I, I, I got the I got this sweet afro going up on the top, but mm-hmm. yeah, your forehead's on its fucking own. Yeah, yeah. And there's a few scenes, too, where they try and kind of cast him in some shadow to make it look more dramatic, but it has the effect of making him look like, I don't know, if like, a, like a black Don Rickles is the right... <laughs> like, the, his eyes... He looks very old. Yeah. In a way that it's... Yeah, he's he's the oldest teen. Yeah. He's got, like... Yeah, he's got Greg Oden disease, where he, he just looks like a very old man. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying... I'm not saying his knees are bad, and he's going to set the Purple Trailblazers back several seasons. For, for but, those of you that that aren't in the room, I gave him an extremely quizzical look when he said that, because I... Yeah. That, that's fair. Um, <laughs> wondering where this is going. I'm just saying, he is a young man who looks like a very old man. So. Fine ball player. No. No. He really, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting your goat. Yeah. You, you, you really are. Give, give the goat back. <laughs> okay. That was for everybody. <laughs> yeah. I, I Namor is fucking great when he first shows up, rescues this capsule, beats up a squid to rescue these astronauts, but then feels bad about beating up the squid, because it's like, that was a denizen of the deep. We're like homies. But, mm-hmm. like... I didn't want to let people die. And they start to thank him, and he's like, you're thanking me for the wrong thing. Fuck you. And he has a, I know we're not doing zingers exactly, but he does his parting shot. Oh, is, man. It's is real good. Dope. I have that as my favorite, uh, some of my favorite dialogue. Yeah, me too. There's two things that happen within a couple of pages of each other there. Both really, really great. So then, uh, there's so much that's going on. Jim's watching the TV show with Thaddeus Ross. At this point, they've rescued the space capsule. I don't know why they're just hanging out watching children's television together. I think they're kind of buddies, and I think it's kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. Canonically, Thaddeus Ross is a bit of an asshole, but I like this guy. He seems okay in this issue. He seems issue. pretty chill, and I like that him and, him and Jim are friends. Mm-hmm. So he and Jim are watching the, the cartoon shows, and uh, then the Astronuts comes on. Jim gets a bad, bad feeling about it, decides to seek out the help of Doctor Strange. A very enterprising young man. He goes and gets Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is like, yeah, we should check this out. 
Doctor Strange disguises himself as the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Goes down to the TV studio, mm-hmm. dressed as the Hulk. When they leave, they hop on his cloak of levitation. Mm-hmm. And at first, the astronauts are like, oh, what are you doing? And they're just like, oh, we, we have a flying carpet. That's how we get from place to place. Mm-hmm. That is a perfectly reasonable explanation for everyone. Mm-hmm. Would have been super suspicious if he had a cloak of levitation. But, oh, yeah, the Hulk, he probably gets from place to place on a flying carpet. Yeah. Yeah. Just right out the window. Why not? Yeah, that's true. Nobody raises an eyebrow at that. No, it's just a regular old flying carpet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. I was reading that and I was like, wait a minute. That's not a flying carpet. That's Dr. <laughs> Strange's cloak of levitation. <laughs> you're very clever. See, you knew what was up. I did. I'm very proud of you, Corey. Thanks. You're, you're just fishing for that, weren't you? <laughs> well, hey, I was, I, that was in the black and white, too. Right. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Thank you. It's a lot more obvious in the color one. Yes, it is. But well spotted, Corey. Thank you. You know, it's but, another... It's just looking at the cover, it's sitting here on the the table. Yeah. Zemnu is drawn much more badass on the cover. Oh, yeah. He's and, like a creepy owl bear on the cover, and mm-hmm. he looks badass. And he has more fingers. Yeah. Inside, he's got three fingers. Mm-hmm. And, like, totally mitten-looking hands. Mitten hands, big time. Um, and he's got that cyborg shit, which I don't think quite counts as style, but it is goofy-looking as like hell. It's like a little dunce cap the dunce cap is one thing he's definitely got like a welded aluminum hat on his head mm-hmm. which if he's now rehypnotizing his own molecules he doesn't need the cybernetic attachments he must like that look mm-hmm. the other thing about the look and the thing that weirds me out is his tummy part of it because it's he's shaved. like in he a shaved. fur shoot <laughs> but yeah he shaved it to show off his ripped robo abs and robo nipples yeah i know it's like from like so right above the nipples to the navel it's so fucking weird <laughs> It's like, what? You just decided to give yourself a poodle cut with exposed nips? Yep. Fucking, that Titan does shit weird. That's how they do on... Uh, uh, planet Zemnu? Planet Zemnu, yeah. We don't know the name of his home. The Magic Planet. The Magic Planet. Yeah, the Magic Planet that he's going to take all the kids to. Oh, maybe it's like the Fantastic Planet. Have um, you ever watched that French movie with the the blue aliens that uh, I the, didn't. the humans are I've tiny? Heard, I've heard it was... It's weird. weird. It's super yeah. weird. Yeah. Do you but, think that's where he's from? No. Okay. It's just... It was just another weird thing that it reminded you of? Yep, sorry. Let's no, no, that's okay. You may not have noticed this. Mm. I know we don't know each other very well. <laughs> <laughs> but I am fine with tangents. Oh, okay, okay. God, there, there's so much stuff that I want to talk about in this. So, okay. Doc Strange dresses up as the Hulk. Mm-hmm. I know it was necessary for the story, but I also don't understand why or how. Like, he does that so that he can get invited to show up at the... Kids show. So he can get the Hulk invited to show up on the the kids show. Mm -hmm. The kids show is a nationally televised event that everyone is invited to. He could have just showed up as Doctor Strange. Is it that in this world the kids love the Hulk? No. The kids don't love the Hulk. Everybody's afraid of the Hulk. The Hulk has a meltdown about that shit. And then he sees him on TV and is like, oh, no, everybody's... Now somebody else is pretending to be the Hulk and they're going to get everybody mad at me. Bruce Banner sure loses his shit fast, though. Yeah, well, it's not his fault. He's got a raging behemoth inside him. I know. I thought it took a little more to set him off. Than Than somebody dressing up as him? Yeah. Well, I think maybe Greenface is, like, very offensive. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you're just like, oh, that's not okay, Doctor Strange. And I can see that being the case, because I can also see Doctor Strange 
trying to portray the Hulk. He's always talking about how Hulk, how dumb the Hulk is. Mm-hmm. Usually right after the Hulk has done something awesome that saved the day. And he this, does it again this, this issue, issue too. Issue. But he did it in the previous two ones too. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh Hulk, you really saved the day, you stupid moron who's so, so dumb. Yep. Doctor Strange pretending to be the Hulk. I bet he's just like going around being like, da, da, ba, I'm the Hulk, da. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think Hulk seeing that would just be like, seriously? Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yeah. But so that's my my suggestion is the first page. We talked about this. The very first page of the comic book, the Hulk is making the weirdest, dumbest face ever. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's maybe Doctor Strange pretending to be the Hulk. I think maybe like, and then the Doctor Strange you see behind him is his astral form or something. Oh. But like, really, it, it is crazy. You see the shadow of Zemnu mm-hmm. and the Hulk just doing this like, land Goshen, like making the goofiest face ever. Mm-hmm. And then both Doctor Strange and Namor are kind of backing away from him. You thought that maybe he had farted. Mm-hmm. And that did, we did have a brief discussion about the Hulk's legendary love of beans. The reason I think that is not the case Mm. is because I did a little bit of uh, research as to when this came out. This came out two years before The Incredible Hulk number 182, which is when he first discovered his love of beans. So this is two years before the Hulk starts really loving beans. Mm. We'll get there. Okay. Soon. But still, I mean, he's a big guy, and even if he wasn't eating lots of legumes, his gas is probably still pretty powerful. Yeah, I don't think that's. I think it's Doctor Strange in green face, and it it yeah, not cool. Really, not cool. Yeah, no, it's one of the goofiest looking drawings of the Hulk we've seen. Yeah, and there have been some pretty goofy ones. I I think that the last issue was a little bit different. It's This issue is once again inked by, uh, they've all been art by Ross Andrew, and overall it's great art. Mm -hmm. I think when the Bill Everett is inking it, the Hulk tends to look a little bit goofier than the last issue was Sal Buscema doing the inks. And I like both interpretations of the Hulk, but I think Everett definitely leans towards goofier. Mm-hmm. If we can go back to the to the astronauts program for oh, just a minute. So my favorite thing, maybe in the whole comic book that happened, is they wheel out this entire tray of pies. Oh yes, and <laughs> one of the astronauts. This is why I want to watch this show. <laughs> like when you just said, "Can we go back to the astronaut show?" I was like, "Yes, I want to fucking roll around in the astronauts show <laughs> like a dog who found a dead bird on the beach." <laughs> Yeah, it's a guy in a full astronaut suit fucking winging pies at a space monster. Who wouldn't watch this Mm -hmm. show? Who deflects the pie with a fan Uh that then flies back and hits the astronaut right in the the face. Right in the kisser. This Mm -hmm. is some good writing. This is some quality writing. And it turns out he he thought it was a peach pie. It was actually a blueberry pie. (laughs) I know, fucking (laughs) idiot. He's like, "Mm, mm, mmm, I love blueberry. (laughs) Yeah. That is why Beam is not the brains of the operation. No, sir. Fucking Wagner can't tell a peach from a goddamn blueberry. Nope. <laughs> uh, granted, he's got a giant stack of pies. He, he probably, uh, they didn't label You think he just grabbed the wrong one? Yeah, it, it's also, and he's wearing his full astronaut suit that whole time. Here was a weird thing uh, that, that leads into that, though. After Namor rescues them, and then disses the shit out of them and jumps back into the ocean. Mm-hmm. They're all like, fuck you, pay me, to NASA. Mm-hmm. And say, all right, get these pictures of us. They'll be the last ones that you'll see for free. 
And they used that to get publicity to get their own TV show. Mm-hmm. They started bidding more. Apparently, none of the photos that were taken... There's this panel that says none of the photos that were taken came out. Did they ever explain that? No. And they didn't explain why that would be the case. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's just supposed to give us a clue that something weird's afoot. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Astronaut gets involved, uh, engulfed by a strange mist in space. I'm on board with something weird is happening. Sure. Having the photos not develop doesn't make any sense because it's on the front page two panels later. Mm. So I guess they just had another photo shoot. Those are like old pictures, though. And if Zemnu's whole plan is to be a TV star, it's not like he's a vampire. He shows up on the pictures. I don't know why he wouldn't show up on the pictures. It doesn't really add anything to the story. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like they're setting up something, but there's nothing comes from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, definitely a misstep. Yeah, so speaking of iffy moments, okay. how did everybody get to Florida? What do you mean? So that was where the launching pad at the at the end of the right, thing. Cape Canaveral. Yeah. So the the whole show was like we've got a month to um, hypnotize all the children to come right go to my new planet, and uh, that's gonna take off from Cape Canaveral. Sure. And the rest of the story seems to be set in New York or yeah. you know some something like that. Mm-hmm. And so there's children walking from. All over the world, ostensibly, wherever this program is broadcast. The ones in Florida get to the space station and scale the recently de-electrified fence. Yeah, I I, I think what's happening there is children all over the world are heading there. They obviously don't all get there. Zenmu's just taken first come, first serve, and he doesn't care that there's all of the rest over. It's huge overkill on his part. And and so Namor swims there. Right, Namor swims there. How does the Hulk and Doctor Strange get there? Uh, Doctor Strange... He probably uses magic. Okay. Uh, maybe tears a hole in a dimension, crawls through a dimension in one of those weird dimensional rifts that looks like a vagina that Dormammu uses all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the Hulk can jump crazy far. So he just jumps there. He probably just jumps there. All the way. Okay. Yeah. That, that's I, I think those are the general means of perambulation. Uh, I, I know what you mean about, like, all of the children just heading towards there like a swarm of ants. Mm-hmm. like Like the birds, but with children. Mm-hmm. So... You know, creepier. Pretty creepy. Yeah. Those poor guys manning the electric fence were like, oh my god, shut the fence off. And yeah. the kids just swarm it and climb over. Oh, and then just climb over themselves like ants. And over the razor wire. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, yeah, they don't really touch on that stuff. This, mm-hmm. There's some gruesome shit happening because Zemnu, he shows no compunction about, about like, he he's kind of a goofy, fun character. And then, like, he straight up fucking kills one of the astronauts mm-hmm. that he had been. It was Beam, not the one that he had taken over before Mm -hmm. which i think is kind of a good choice because at that point that character is fairly irredeemable Mm -hmm. he was just like the guy who was hypnotized by him there's also no reason why zemnu wouldn't have just hypnotized that dude he's good at hypnosis Mm -hmm. like but he clearly did just take over one of the astronauts and then was the the other astronaut was just like well my buddy says uh fuck you pay me to nasa i guess that's what i'm saying too yeah no he was an asshole yeah so I get why they killed him, but I'm, I'm glad he redeemed himself slightly in death by defying Zemnu even slightly, and then just like Hulk starts wailing on the guy mm-hmm. and uh, just pun- pounds the crap out of him. I think that may have been kind of a a wink to like a Hulk versus Hulk battle. Yeah. So that was though my other question of I mean, other than the Hulk's puny intellect basically saving him. Did he just beat Zemnu into nothingness? Or yes. 
Okay, I think that's so. literally what happened. As near as I could tell, he just punched him into a mist. And then... Damn. Yeah. Dude, the Hulk is crazy strong. Yeah, I think he just <laughs> punched him so hard that he evaporated. And the whole time, Zemni was like cross-eyed with concentration, like shooting little me- uh, yeah. mental hypno beams, beams at the Hulk. And the Hulk's just like, ah, oh, this sucks, but I'm just going to keep punching him. And, yeah. and then he just looks poof. He shouldn't have bothered trying to hypnotize the Hulk. He should have just hypnotized the Hulk's atoms or molecules. Um, he's probably Hulk a little, have a little gun shy. Oh, yeah. After last time. I get that. I, I get what you mean. There's also a fun part where, like, Namor is, like, punching him and Zemnu's like, you will never defeat me with only brute strength. And Namor's like, perhaps not, but maybe something other than brute strength. And then he kicks him. Dude, <laughs> Namor's kick is, we'll get into this yeah, in my new show, yeah. but it, it's awesome. Oh, uh, it's great. Yeah, he, yeah. He's great in this issue. He, he really is. Uh, really... I thought all of the Defenders shone pretty well in this issue. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange's plan didn't make a ton of sense, and he didn't actually really accomplish anything, but I still liked him, and I thought I thought he did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I liked that he just is like, hmm, this, this kid shows up, says there's a problem, I'll go check it out. Pays for the taxi. Pays, pays for the kid's taxi, and shames the taxi driver. Mm-hmm. That was pretty chill. Yep. Yeah, overall, I think a strong showing by all of the Defenders. So... You ready to get into the minutiae? Let's. You want to sing us in? <clears throat> yeah, I always forget how it goes, so we'll just try and... Do your best. Minutia! I like that one. It sounded a little metal. Oh, really? Yeah. Sweet. So, first off, mm. favorite sound effect? Oh, man. So many, but I think you and I both have humor that appreciates a good pie in the face. Oh, yeah. And, uh, splop! On page nine is the sound of the pie hitting an astronaut's face. That that is that is a pretty good one. I had a couple of other ones. One was kathug. It's, oh, is that uh, the that's TV the sound? Punching? No, that is the sound of Namor punching a squid. Oh, it yeah. it makes a kathug sound. Damn. And yeah, there's something about that that did it for me. The other one is also Namor related. This and is the kick. It is the kick, and the kick makes a thwack. Yep. And I like a good thwack, and golly, you just want to segue it into a favorite panel? Might as well. All right. I think we're both there. At least one of ours was both the thwack, which is Namor doing this sweet, is it a savat kick, do you think? I would guess something like that. It looks very... I mean, he's got his... his, Yeah. He's got his foot fully extended and is just like kicking Zemnu in the face and... It says flack, and it's beautiful. Yep. What else did you have? Because I've got a few. Yeah, I've got a few as well. Pretty much all of the panels, but with Zemnu doing the hypnosis thing where it zooms in on his face. Yeah. But especially the one on page 10, um, where it's just basically zooming in on his, his mesmer eyes. Yeah. That, that, see what I did there? Uh, mesmer uh-huh. eyes. I didn't see what you did there, and I thank you for pointing that out. Quite welcome. It, it's, I'm glad to catch that, and also jokes are always better when they are explained. When the kids were little, I'd read them the far side, and then <laughs> have to explain the far side, and then they would laugh after. Ah, kids. It was adorable. So dumb. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. Oh, not you specifically. I'm just saying children <laughs> in general. There is one other, and it's on page 14, and it's the newspaper clipping. With the astronaut, no, Zemnu holding the astronaut, like a 
Oh, small yeah. child. Yeah, or like Starfire would hold Robin when they're carrying yeah, him from place exactly. to place. That was adorable. Yeah, that was really cute. I had the one on page nine, which is dude in full astronaut gear throwing a pie. Oh, I did too. I called it pie stance. Ah, I called it astronaut pie toss. <laughs> I also had, it's on page 13, and it's Doctor Strange coming out of his Incredible Hulk disguise. And so it's like a morphing scene from Hulk to Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. which... Is pretty cool looking, and also it reminded me of the uh, Michael Jackson black or white video, mm-hmm. and how we were all astounded by that face morphing technology, mm-hmm. and now how silly it is watching it. Oh. And actually, the panel right before that, which is before he starts morphing back into Doctor Strange, but it's just the Hulk wearing the clay cloak of levitation, mm. and it's just, it cracked me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once again, the art, Ross Andrew, with inks by Bill Everett, throughout this is great. Mm-hmm. You want to do favorite dialogue? Great balls of fire! Oh man, I didn't even catch that one. Where was that? That was uh, one of the first things that the general. Oh, says. Gen- General Thunderbolt Ross. Mm-hmm. Namor has most of the the good dialogue. Yeah, like. for for actual dialogue, I, I think I think we're both on the same page with that one. And do you want to read that one? Yeah, I've got a, actually a, a couple. One is the zinger, but another one is um, uh, Jim Wilson first comes up to him and is like, hey, uh, the whole my friend, he's going to kick your ass if you don't let these guys go. Yeah. And he says, I, I don't know his own inflection, but this is the way in my head that it, it okay. was read. He's like, ah, so the young pup spouts more fire than an old dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, the zinger which follows that is... <laughs> <laughs> it's right after the astronauts basically tell NASA to fuck off and they want a pile of cash. Mm-hmm. And they basically, which is kind of nice of them, are like, hey, Namor, you want to come with? Yeah, We can all get rich. Mm-hmm. And his response is, he's like, nah, fuck that, I'm out of here. Bah, the ocean floor would yield me endless treasures were that my desire. Now I return to the deep, for it seems I dived for giants. And brought forth a pair of minnows. Zing. Yeah. Burn. Yep. Oh, man. Um, Mic drop. Jump yeah. off the boat. Yeah, I'm sorry. Did I just have a stroke? Because I smell toast. <laughs> That's the thing I'm trying to start. I think it's good. pretty good. That's a great I, it, one. I, yeah. But my favorite words that happen in this is actually the captions that are on a couple of pages before that. The captioning is really... It's really, really tight. Prose, yeah. But... This is my favorite. Base capsule Castor and Pollux 1 hit the Earth's tainted atmosphere like a metal fishing plug tossed by some giant playing hooky on the moon. Yeah, I had to read that a couple it's times. It's so evocative. It is, but what's a fishing plug? Um, I think it's one of the, like, a sinker weight. Oh, a weight. Okay. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I, I love that. And also, what is the giant playing hooky from? Hmm. Giant school. Oh, man. What do you think they teach in giant school? Um, Beanstalk scaling? Beanstalk scaling? Probably. Probably that's, that's oh boy, I'd play hooky from that class. Yeah. That's basically like crime, climbing the rope in gym class. Mm-hmm. Oh, Wait. that is so hard. Yeah. No thanks. Mm. No thanks, man. I'm going to be on the moon fishing. Yeah. Yeah. Throwing fishing plugs. Yeah, man. At the Earth's tainted atmosphere. Oh, God. So good. Did you have more favorite dialogue? Uh, nope, that, that covered the... And your favorite down. was the minnow? Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think I'm going to fudge it and use the caption work because, man, I, I, I loved that. So, sartorially speaking, what were your favorite outfits? 
I don't know if it qualifies as an outfit, but I was just tickled by the little metal cap and the bare midriff of that. <laughs> so your sartorially yeah. speaking goes to Zenmu? Yeah. I can appreciate that. I That totally cracked me up, but I didn't know if it counted as an outfit, so I decided to play it safe. Mm. There's a couple of panels. There is the senator's kid, I think is dressed super tight. Mm-hmm. He's just wearing like... Like a suit top and blazer, but with like plaid pants. Mm-hmm. And it's just a good look. Like, I'm like, yeah, that's a solid look. Like, it's like a six-year-old mod, basically. Yep. Sharp little and, guy. Yeah, I, I, was, I was into that. And also, generally, I like Jim Wilson's outfit. He's got like a nice, like, kind of like a faded beige leather jacket. Just like, mm-hmm. looks like a cool, hip 70s kid. And, mm-hmm. and I dug that. Even if kid has a crazy fucking dome. Mm-hmm. Yep. But so, yeah, I'm going with the Senator's Kid. Okay. It's like a nice, tight, like, looked like a mod, but like he's seven years old. Good luck. Best defense, worst offense. Best defense? Who is the best defender? Oh, uh, man. It's it's really, for me, a bit of a tie, but yeah. I'm going to, because the Hulk did ultimately save yeah. the day by leading yeah. the alien back into mist. Sure. But due to the dialogue and awesome fighting, I got to go with Namor. I, I can understand that. I In particular, I, because he backs up the Hulk. Like, the Hulk does this cool shit, and then the army or whatever came and, like, is going to shoot him. And it's like, oh, what a bunch of dicks. And Namor's like, fuck this. I'm going to splash you all. And he, he knocks them all over <laughs> by just pushing water at them with a giant splash. Yeah, splash fight. Yeah. Oh, man, I want to see the Hulk <laughs> and Namor do the frolicking scene from uh, Highlander. <laughs> It's when they do the quickening, and it's just like Christopher Lambert and Sean Connery frolicking the on frolicking. the beach together. Yeah, we always call it the frolicking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I want to see that reenacted with the Hulk and Namor. Oh, and now there's all these other scenes I want to see Hulk and Namor reenact. Like, the so, other frolicking scene from uh, Rocky Three, where oh. it's Carl Weathers mm-hmm. and... And Rocky in like, like on the beach, yeah, another one like the a, another yeah crazy mm-hmm. like they're they're like oh one day you'll be able to run faster than me and uh-huh. then they just stop and frolic in the water for a bit and splash each beach other frolicking man those guys have so much fun together the Hulk and Namor mm-hmm. they love to frolic they love to play um, <laughs> they love to leap off at the end of adventures and tell Doctor Strange to go fuck himself which I think this is the third third time in three issues that that's how the issue was ended super not doing a good job with that <laughs> like, it's like never call me again yeah unless you really need to right to save the humans yeah. that I hate we're not a team I'm leaving ah mm. uh, I'm sorry mine I decided to go with the Hulk although I agree Namor was awesome he didn't really do a hell of a lot in terms of actual effectively fighting Zenmu. Zenmu. That one good kick in the face was pretty He did good. one good kick in the face, but it didn't really seem to have a ton of effect. Yeah, no, Certainly didn't punch him into evaporation. Yes. Worst offense. This was tough because, as I think you mentioned earlier, everybody did a pretty good job. Yeah. But I think out of the three of them, Doctor Strange fell a little short. I did the same thing. His, his fighting of Zemnu didn't actually seem to have a ton of effect on Zemnu. His infiltration as the Hulk was kind of totally unnecessary. I felt bad giving it to him because I thought overall he, he did a pretty good job and I liked him in this issue better than I have in others. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm going with the Hulk as the best and Doctor Strange as the worst offense. Fair enough. Well... <laughs> Listeners, thank you so much for joining us. That This was such a fun issue to cover. 
Um, if you can find a reprint of it, I would totally recommend reading this. It's just such goofy fun, and I loved it. And we will see you next week when we will cover an issue of the New Teen Titans. We are up to issue number three, which I believe will feature the uh, Fearsome Five, which are longtime Titan rivals, Mm -hmm. which we will get to know. Yeah, it's been a tough week for a lot of people, and I hope we've been able to inject some levity in it. Uh, I mentioned this last episode, but... All of the Patreon donations that we're receiving this month and next month, uh, I'm donating to different charities that I think will need extra support in light of recent current events. So if you make a Patreon donation to our site, which you can do at patreon.com backslash ttwasteland, um, that will be going to Planned Parenthood, the ACLU, the Southern Poverty Law Center, and Trevor's Project for the next two months. Um, and so if you want to donate to us for, uh, two months and then cancel it, that would be great. Or just give directly to those charities or others that might need help. Uh, cause yeah, there's going to be a lot of them and money is helpful, but, uh, you can also get in touch with me at ttwasteland at gmail.com, or you can find us on the Facebook page. We love to see you there. Uh, I haven't been saying much on Twitter, but I'll try to be better about that soon. And... Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. It's, uh, I love doing this podcast and it's been a lot of fun. And part of what I love about doing it is getting to exchange emails with and connect with a lot of you listeners. And you guys seem rad as fuck. And thanks for being cool. Yeah. <laughs> well said, Corey. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> All right. We will see you next week. Uh, I'm going to go check out that giant moon, see if we can blow it up. Good night, moon. You got it. (laughs) Touch me not. (laughs) And they knew it.